0: The Quiet Carriage, the show about books and their authors, with your host, Paul J. Laverty, and sponsored by Castlemaine's signature bookstore, Stoneman's bookroom Broadcast on 94.9 Main FM and across the nation on the Community Radio Network. All aboard. Welcome to The Quiet Carriage and today my guest is Emily Bittle who is chatting to me about her new novel out now via Alan and Unwin called Wild Abandon. Let me read to you a little bit about the book. In the fall of 2011 a heartbroken young man flees Australia for the USA Landing in the excessive, uncanny, familiar glamour and plentitude of New York City, Will makes a vow to say yes to everything that comes his way. By fate or random chance, Will's journey takes him deep into the American heartland, where he meets Wayne Gage, a fast-living, troubled Vietnam veteran, would-be spirit guide and collector of exotic animals. These two men, in crisis, form an unlikely friendship. But will has no idea just how close to the edge Wayne truly is. Wild abandon is a headlong tumble through the failing world of end days capitalism, a haunting hyperreal snapshot of our own strange times. We read with increasing horror and denial as we approach the cataclysmic conclusion of Will's American Odyssey, dreading what is galloping towards us, but utterly unable to look away. This lyrical and devastating new novel from the Stella Prize-winning author of The Strays offers us startling and profound visions of the world and our place in it. And now a little bit about the author. Emily Bitto is a Melbourne-based writer of fiction, poetry and non-fiction. She has a Master's in Literary Studies and a PhD in Creative Writing from the University of Melbourne. Her debut novel, The Strays, was the winner of the 2015 Stella Prize. Her fiction, poetry, and non-fiction has appeared in a various publications including Minjin, The Age, The Monthly, The Saturday Paper, The Big Issue, and The Sydney Morning Herald. In 2018, she was awarded a six-month Australia Council International Residency in Rome to work on her second novel and debut poetry collection. She has been teaching creative writing for over a decade and is currently a tutor at the Faber Writing Academy. And she is also the co-owner of Carlton, Wine Bar, Heart Attack and Vine. And here is Emily now in conversation with me about her new novel, Wild Abandon. Emily Bitto, thank you so much for joining me today on The Quiet Carriage.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I was a huge fan of The Strays, your first novel, and I've wanted to get you on for some time. Now... The Strays was 2015, and it did very well for you, winning the the Stella prize for women. And I have to ask, even though you're probably sick to death of discussing it, but what have you been up to in the six years since uh, this, Wild Abandon, your your second novel?
1: Well, uh, I made the perhaps, foolish decision to open a bar with my partner and two other <laughs> um, friends six months after The Strays came out. Yep. Um, so that kept me extremely busy. I didn't get a chance to really write at all for about two years because I was wow. doing ridiculously long hours at the bar. I was working like 90-hour weeks for, for like the first year. Um, so that was kind of... It was sort of good in a way because it was a total change from mm-hmm. um, from writing um, and then I just sort of slowly started chipping away on the next book, um, started trying to ease back from the, the bar. I was also doing some creative writing teaching um, and then I didn't really finish the second novel until I was, I was really amazingly lucky to get a um, six-month Creative Writing Residency in Rome from the Australia wow. Council. Okay. Um, they have this amazing apartment that was donated to the Australia Council uh, and they basically give it to writers, mainly poets um, historically, right. but I think it's, it's kind of shifting a little bit um, and I've written poetry as well. But basically, yeah, I got to go there for six months and I wrote most of the second book while I was there because that just right. gave me a really good chunk of time away from ordinary life.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. And was it a long-term plan of yours to open up a a bar or a restaurant?
1: No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually doing quite a lot of uh, uni teaching before the strays came out because I did a Master's in Literature and then a PhD in Creative Writing and I was sort of going down that more academic, um, you know, path. But Mm -hmm. my partner is in hospitality. He's been sort of in hospital for a while he had cafe and then a coffee roasting business as well um and we yeah we just kind of I I sort of decided that it might be a good change of of pace because I couldn't really to be honest uh make it work as a casual um uni tutor it just is it's It's really hard 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 going Yeah. yeah yeah especially over the long kind of summer break where you don't get paid and yeah, so it's it's hard kind of piecing together enough work and then being able to write as well. Yeah. So yeah, it was a I really got a, get, got into it through my partner and um yeah it was a, it was a total change of direction.
0: Yeah. So is it, is it fair to say that writing always remains your number one passion?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I I did think that it would it would go well together the working nights because I can't write at night I'm more of a morning person Uh, and I thought I had this kind of naive idea that yeah I'll work nights and I'll get up and I'll write in the day and then I'll go to work it'll be this great kind of balance but uh yeah when you're working 90 hour weeks it is not possible to do anything else so it did yeah it did kind of destroy my writing for a little while but long term I think it's sort of it's been good because it did give me that a little bit of income once I sort of stepped away from it and Uh, was able to kind of, yeah, do my own thing a bit more.
0: Yeah, because I can't think of a harder industry, like physically to work in as well. It's not like you were sitting in a corner working as a temp in an office where you could do your own thing. It's Yeah. You're in in Carlton as well, aren't you? Uh, it's 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 full on, yeah.
1: I mean, in some ways it is a good balance because, you know, writing is a very solitary pursuit and, you know, being out – yeah. amongst people, um, bustling around. It's physical as well, you know, which balances the kind of long hours sitting at the desk. But, yeah, it's just uh, I think the the amount that I was doing was too much.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I won't quiz you too much on that because we're here today to talk about your follow-up, which is Wild Abandon. I don't know, via Alan Anonwin. And I absolutely breeze through this on on audiobook i loved it i couldn't i couldn't turn it off and it was being a fan of the strays it was nothing like i expected the strays (laughs) was a period piece and Mm. and this is set uh, in america of all places and i I just thought what what a shift how did that come about
1: well i always kind of knew that i wanted to write the more contemporary book after the strays I enjoy doing the historical, you know, research and things for the strays, but um, I don't know, something really drew me to trying to think more about the time that we live in now, you know, and trying to kind of understand that rather than looking so far back into the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's set in 2011, so it's not quite um, Mm -hmm. contemporary, but, yeah, just the, you know, the sort of strange era that we are living in of you know in the in the overdeveloped west at least of kind of hyper capitalism and excess and Mm -hmm. you know the just it it constantly sort of fascinates and bamboozles me just thinking about the, the the era that we're living in and and it's kind of surrealness and you know I sort of think of it in my pessimistic days as a sort of Rome before the fall moment in in some ways you know and yeah I just I wanted to kind of write about that.
0: Yeah and given given the success of your first novel did you feel much pressure in in following it up?
1: A little a little yeah I definitely sort of got a, a sort of bit of feedback from some people you know in the industry that it would probably be wiser to stick you know with historical fiction mm. but you know I'm I'm probably I'm the sort of writer that does it primarily for um, you know the challenge and the satisfaction of of the task um, I've never really expected to sort of make money from it and hmm. if I was going to do something you know to earn money I would probably do something that was going to be a lot more lucrative so it's you know for me it's it's about Extending myself and and doing something new each time and, and, Mm. yeah, keeping on sort of trying different things and I just, you know, I'm the sort of person that being bored is is the worst possible thing to to be. So, I yeah, I wanted to do something different. I was never going to kind of just
0: stick
1: with the same, I don't think.
0: I guess that works both ways because it could, you know, put off some of the fans that you had mm, uh, built up with the Strays. Definitely. But it could also work the other way, and you know, you could attract a whole new fan base. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I was a bit nervous, to be honest, about you know whether the majority of people who enjoyed the Strays were going to be a bit put off by mm-hmm. um, by this just being so different. But um, yeah, as you say, there's there's been a new sort of. Um, readership as well, which is exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what was your publisher's take on the on the sort of different direction?
1: Well, it's a different publisher from The Strays, um, so we ended up. My um, agent sent it out, and there mm-hmm. were. I was lucky enough to have a few publishers in this, interested in the second book, um, which again I was sort of a bit nervous about whether you know because of those same issues whether they would be. Put off by the fact that this was so different and that it would be hard to kind of sell as a follow up from uh, the author of the Strays. But yeah, mm-hmm. I got I got really good um, responses and I ended up going with um, Jane Palfryman of Ellen and Unwin, who's you know got an amazing list of writers that she's published. And yeah, she really loved it. So that was incredibly lucky.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. You are listening to The Quiet Carriage on 94.9 Main FM and the Community Radio Network. And now we'll return to my conversation with Emily Bittle. And we're chatting about her new novel, Wild Abandon, out now via Alan and Unwin. And so it's written from the perspective of Will, who's a young, heartbroken university student. And uh, I was I was first off intrigued, like, was there any idea to have uh, a female protagonist here?
1: There was, yeah. I mean, I think, so the way that this, without giving away too much about the plot, but mm-hmm. the way that this novel developed was initially from a, a true story that I read in the news that just really kind of shocked me and and stuck with me. And that's, part of the American kind of storyline of the novel. Um, But, you know, and from that I sort of became really, sorry, this is quite a tangential um, way of of, um, answering your question, but (laughs) I I knew that I couldn't kind of set a novel in America with, you know, all-American kind of protagonists because it's not my home, I don't understand the culture. Um, So it, it had to be a sort of outsider Uh, perspective on America and Mm -hmm. then I sort of became quite interested just in that in itself the relationship between Australia and America the idea of kind of travel and the way that we sort of bring all of these expectations um, of our own to foreign cultures that we visit Mm -hmm. but I guess because of the nature of the setting in the states which um, I think I can kind of give away is basically set on this in this private zoo in Ohio Mm -hmm. where a, a Guy has a menagerie of, of kind of wild animals, and I just didn't, I couldn't quite sort of find a way, you know, even just in my very, very early thinking of, uh, that it could sort of plausibly be a young woman that sort of ended up in that um, scenario. It just felt like it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I sort of, you know, I think those. Those early kind of decisions, they have massive impacts that you don't quite know what they're going to be. But I just decided early on that it was going to be more plausible if it was a young man, and then that sort of led me down a whole other path, I guess, of of being really interested in, um, you know, exploring a young male protagonist. And you know, I was working, you know, in the bar with a lot mm-hmm. of young men around Will's age, and so that was kind of it's it felt like something I could kind of pull off because it was uh, I was almost a, a little spy in <laughs> in the hmm. midst of a lot of uh, conversations between young Australian men at that point in time. So, yeah, it was really interesting how it developed.
0: Mm. So you had the idea in place before you went to Rome, is that right?
1: Before I went to Rome, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and in fact, I actually did travel to the States, um fairly early in the process as well. I got some funding um, from Melbourne Uni through a a fund called the Felix Meyer um, Travel Scholarship Mm -hmm. uh, that allowed me to travel to the States, and I went to New York and to Ohio um, where the second part of the book is set. And Yeah, so that was amazing. Wow.
0: And did you get anything – I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here as well – but did you get (laughs) anything from the Rome experience story-wise perhaps for, for, for something different?
1: Not really for this, I don't think, but I think, you know, it'll probably show up in the, the next book or in another book. Um, yeah, I I think I tend to take quite a long time to process experience, I think, um, So, but but also, you know, I was quite far into the process of writing this book when, while I was in Rome, so it was more than anything, it was just having this luxury of time and, you know, space that, mm-hmm. that allowed me to I think I wrote like 50,000 words within, you know, a a few months while I was there.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. I'm a bit wary as well to go too much into the story because I actually knew nothing about it. Obviously, I read your first novel, but I knew nothing about it. I listened to Mm. it and I I just was constantly surprised and it was dragging me in directions I didn't expect it to go. So Mm. I don't want to ruin it too much for our listeners. Yeah, fair enough. But I, I... have to bring up the the serendipity of this following on from Tiger King so presumably yeah. <laughs> you're looking at the time scale of things your idea for this your writing of this was long before Tiger King came out what were yeah. your thoughts when you when you heard about the Netflix series when you saw the Netflix series I'm not saying it's like that but it's you know it's it's similar yeah, themes it's yeah. set in
1: the same sort of yes yeah. uh environment i guess yeah i mean at first i was just like oh no yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. am i gonna have to stop because i was already you know that list probably when i was about fifty thousand words into mm-hmm. the manuscript at that point and i i was you know really horrified at first yeah um but then i kind of thought oh well maybe there's some advantages to this as well because it will it is a completely different story um but it will sort of, I guess, establish the the setting and the world for people who are completely unfamiliar with the fact that there is a huge sort of um, culture in the US in mm. certain states of people owning a lot of wild animals yeah. and that it's kind of, it, it sort of is beyond belief if you've never kind of come across it. Um, and so I think, you know, in a way it, it added plausibility to the, the story for people who were just jumping in with no, you know, familiarity with that world. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah,
0: it's weird that. Well, I'm not saying all Americans would have that compulsion to open up a, you know, their own wildlife park, but it's not something you could imagine so much in Australia, could you? Especially with, yeah. with wild animals, dangerous animals such as these.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Emily bitto would you like to make a song choice?
1: Um yeah, I've actually been obsessing over a particular song lately, which is a cover of uh, um a Jerry Jeff Walker song and it's called I Love You and it's covered by Bill Callahan, Bonnie Prince Billy and David Paho, and it's an amazing cover.
0: Wow, I haven't heard the original. I wasn't familiar with that name, but I definitely know Bill Callahan and Bonnie Prince. Wow brilliant. Yeah,
1: Jerry Jeff Walker is this amazing I've actually just discovered him through this um, cover Uh but uh, he's so great, he's like a sort of country 70s sort of dude but he wrote the original of Mr Bojangles that Venus Moon covered which I had no idea and he's got some other amazing tracks as well but this is just, it's so beautiful
0: Fantastic and here it is
2: Patching together all the busted pieces Through to you. Now it's nice resting by your side. It seems like everything's now all rolled up in a nutshell. We got it all.
0: That was I Love You by Bill Callahan, Bonnie Prince Billy, and David Pajo You are listening to The Quiet Carriage with myself as your host, Paul J. Laverty, on 94.9 Main FM and the Community Radio Network. And there we heard my interview with Emily Bitto, who was chatting to me about her new novel, Wild Abandon, which is out now via Alan and Unwin. And you can hear part two of that interview next week. That is all we have time for right now. You can find me across all the socials under the name Paul J. Laverty. And until next time, keep reading.